Welcome to the Limitless Mindset Podcast. My name is Blake Clark, and I am the founder and visionary of Limitless Real Estate and also the team lead of the Clark team. My goal with this podcast is to show you that your possibilities are truly limitless with the right mindset and outlook on life. On this podcast, you're going to hear from not only myself, but also other members within our brokerage as well as my team. And we're going to be discussing all things real estate, mindset, goal setting, and what it takes to build a good business and succeed in life. Thanks so much for joining us and welcome. All right, guys, welcome to episode number 16 of the Limitless Mindset podcast. If you guys are viewing in on this one, you guys can see our studio is starting to look a little bit different here. We did a massive makeover, came out freaking phenomenal. I'm super excited about it. We got a little more room to get some more people in here as well. If you get value out of today's episode, I only ask one thing. If you could please like and subscribe, drop me a five-star review, let me know your feedback, but also more importantly, share this with somebody that you think would benefit from hearing this. Like I said, the goal on this is to help others. So the more you guys help me share this and get it out, the more it benefits other people. So today we're just going to jump right into it. Um, this is something that I think uh, is going to be extremely beneficial to those of you guys that are just getting into real estate. And honestly, probably some of you guys uh, that are a traditional agent right now that I think is missing in this space massively. And this is something that I spent a lot of time coaching the agents within our brokerage on. And it's basically taking you from being a traditional you know, a standard agent to really becoming a dynamic agent. And I think that in this business right now, this is something that uh, we are massively failing on to the general consumer. So, you know, I remember when I got into this business, uh, you know, I was coached under an amazing agent, uh, you know, brokerage owner, uh, mentor. When I got into this space, um, I remember I went to him and, you know, said, hey, I'd love to get to the level that you are. I mean, this guy was, you know, constantly averaging five to eight transactions a month, sometimes more, had been in the business 20 something years. And so I kind of picked him for that reason, because number one, I jived with him. We got along. Personalities were very similar. But obviously, I looked up to what he had built in the business that he had built. And that's the reason I decided to park my license there. So while it served me, you know, I'll share some of the good things that came from that and some of the struggles that, you know, kind of made me get to the level of where I'm at today and the ways I've had to adapt. And so hopefully this, again, gets some benefit for some of you guys, because I think that this is where uh, the traditional agent is going to fail. And I think that as things evolve and things change, if you stay the same, you're going to get left behind. So uh, with him, you know, the one thing that was great is he was an amazing traditional agent. Um, he was really good at telling me, you know, here's what you need to do. Here's how you can basically serve your customers. Here's every literally law in the real estate book. He knew that to the T. Um, the downside of that was he wasn't creative with marketing. He wasn't creative with, you know, different things. Uh, to, I don't know how to help people, right? The, what he was a master of is here's how you get listings. Here's how you put a listing on the MLS. Here's how you help a buyer. Basically, I can teach you everything from A to Z in that space. And that was it. And to be honest with you guys, the first three to four years of my real estate career was built solely on that. And on top of that, there was nothing wrong with that. I did extremely well from a real estate perspective. I was able to build myself up. I was able to build a team. But then it kind of dawned on me one day, you know, through experience as I'm getting into this business and I'm learning to scale was that there's people out there that the traditional model just doesn't work. Right. And I couldn't understand it for the longest time. This is right around the time we started seeing the offer pads, open doors, you know, uh, what's known as the iBuyer out there entering into the into the market. 
And I couldn't wrap my head around it at that time because my mindset was always, okay, let's get their house up on the market. Let's sell it. Let's net this seller top dollar, which by the way, is still about 85 to 90% of what it is I'm doing right now in my business. However, you know, there's still that 10% that I was missing. I go to these listing appointments. Uh, I talk myself up. I talk about all the things we do for marketing and, you know, how we're going to get their house sold for top dollar, what it is we're going to do to achieve that. You know, I'd show them my resume, my stats, my sales. And at the end of that, I'd still lose the listing and I just couldn't figure it out. You know, ultimately they go and eventually sell to an iBuyer. And so for me, it was like, okay, what am I doing that's missing out on some of these listings right now? Where am I dropping the ball on this? You know, what, where did I go wrong? Because I'm constantly reevaluating my business plan, right? When I'm going into some of these listing appointments. So, you know, I started paying attention to the shift in the market. And as these iBuyers came in and started taking small market shares, you know, I discovered that there's a need for it. Now with this came through experience too, right? I've literally sat at hundreds of tables now at this point in my career uh, with people. I'd probably almost venture to say close to a thousand now uh, where somebody will call me into their house. You know, they, they want to sell a house. They want to list it, uh, you know, for whatever reason, right? People's lives change. And there's so many different aspects of somebody basically relocating or moving or selling a house, upsizing, downsize, you know, really anything ranging just from, Hey, we have high equity. We have a kid coming in. Uh, we need a bigger space. We're unfortunately going through a divorce, right? We need to separate, divide assets. Uh, could be, I'm getting a job relocation out of the state could be, Hey, I'm in some financial trouble. I got to get out of this and, you know, basically extract my equity out of the home. So, you know, I, I couldn't figure out and in the downside to this was, was I couldn't figure out how to help those people. Um, I remember going in the first time to, uh, a couple, I went into a listing appointment and unfortunately they were, you know, facing foreclosure and, uh, you know, they, they needed to sell their house as quick as possible. This was probably about five years ago. And, you know, like to the point where the auction date was coming up. And to be honest with you, I just wasn't an experienced agent at that time. I said, well, we could put it up on the market. And, you know, this was also before the days where houses were flying off in three days because inventory was still out there. So, you know, houses would sit 30, 40, 50 days at that time. And I was missing out on, on this. And, you know, I remember talking to them and they just said, we don't have the time and I couldn't figure out how to help them. And they ultimately went and, you know, sold their house uh, with an iBuyer, cash buyer to, to get out of it. And I had to really sit down and reevaluate, okay, what am I going to do in my business to start helping these kind of people? Because I genuinely felt bad. I didn't feel bad at the fact that I didn't get the listing right on that particular transaction. What I felt bad about was I didn't have a solution to their problem. They came to me uh, and said, Hey, I'd love for you to help us, right? We need help. And I wasn't able to offer that solution at that time. I wasn't experienced enough. Nobody had taught me. Nobody, you know, showed me the, the dynamic versatility of being an agent in this space. And I also at that point wouldn't consider myself, you know, an investor. Uh, so I just didn't have the bandwidth. I didn't have the ability to offer different solutions. So that was kind of the tipping point for me, right? When I went into my listing appointments was going in and saying, okay, I, I got to get more dynamic on this. And really my mindset shifted from being a, you know, singular action agent. And what I mean by that is just, okay, my job solely is to take your house, pass it on the MLS and hopefully it sells. And when it sells, here's your money and have a good day, you know, type situation. I did my job for you. Right. Problem was, is, am I really solving that problem? Right. And for those people, I couldn't solve that problem. And that really bothered me. So at that point, I went in and said, okay, I need to figure this out. I need to go dial in on my listing appointments and I need to figure out how can I almost in a way offer these people a menu solution, right? If it's a known fact that people are going to go sell to iBuyers and 
at that point too, like I said, I didn't really understand why, right? Because ultimately you're going to leave money on the table. Uh, and for a lot of people who don't understand the iBuyer market, the iBuyers have to make a profit. So for those of you guys out there that are like, hey, I'm going to go sell to an open door and offer pad. Traditionally what that business model looks like, and this is a main business model, all of them vary in some way or another. But traditionally the way that that business model is going to work is that they're going to offer you, you know, a very fair price for the house, right? It's, it's almost going to be market value. Sometimes it could even show up as being a little bit over market value. This is something that we get all the time on the traditional real estate side as your agent. Uh, you know, we'll go into a listing appointment. And the first thing I ask them, have you guys interviewed other agents? Have you guys looked at some other options? And, you know, a fair amount of time, a lot of what they do get is, yeah, we've already shopped out. We've, you know, gotten a quote from, you know, whatever company. Uh, and this is what they're going to give us, right? So on the backside of that, we work with a lot of these companies, by the way. Now, uh, at this point in my career, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, but on the backside of that, what they do is they're going to throw a number at you in most cases that here's the market value. But with that being said, when you look at your true seller net sheet, they're going to hit you with a whole lot of fees, right? It's going to be 5 to 6%. You're still going to pay the commissions both sides, 5 to 6%. Uh, when you go to sell that house, they're going to hit you with, in some cases, what's called a, you know, a, a convenience fee, right? That for whatever, that's one of the ones I've seen on there. A market risk fee, which basically means, yeah, we're going to pay you for your house. And then let's say something happens in the real estate market within you know, two to three months and the market shifts and goes downward, they give themselves a little bit of a cushion in there. Plus, you still got your closing costs and whatnot. So, you know, ultimately, in a traditional real estate transaction, it could look something like, you know, six to 7% fees, sometimes less, sometimes more. Uh, under some of these other uh, business models, like I said, with the iBuyer, they're going to shoot you a price on that house. However, uh, you know, your true net, if you look at the net dollar amount, it almost comes out to, you know, the fees in some cases come out to be a lot higher. Actually, you know, they're going to, yeah, we're going to offer you this price, but instead of it being, like I said, five, 6% total, you're actually paying close to eight to 9% total. So what I noticed was a lot of sellers weren't paying attention to that net number, right? That'd be the same thing as me saying, Hey, you know what? Your house is worth 700 K. I'm going to give you 800 K, but you're going to give me a hundred thousand dollars back at the closing table. Uh, you're netting 700k, right? Even though the purchase price is eight, essentially that's what it was. And a lot of sellers were not paying attention to that. Um, you know, I'd go talk to them, and I'm like, "Well, how come you sold to these guys? You know, what was the reason behind that? What was the thought process?" And well, they offered me, you know, fair market value, full price. And I'm like, okay, can you shoot me over the seller net sheet? Let's take a look at that. Let's walk through it, right? And then we go through and we break the fees down. And then they, you know, you, don't, you do a side by side comparison and you're like, man, you left some money on the table. Now, two things happened out of that. Number one, they were okay with losing a little bit of money on the table because it was a convenience thing, right? They would say, hey, that's okay. I didn't really want a whole lot of people coming through my house, or I needed to sell quickly, or I didn't want to make repairs, or I didn't have the money to make repairs. So, I'm okay leaving a little bit of money on the table for that convenience, right? It's I don't need to squeeze every dollar out of this thing. I've already got some good equity in it. Or option number two that would usually come out of that is they were a little frustrated, right? They kind of felt had in a way because that they didn't understand. They just were looking at that gross number, not the net number to them. Uh, they didn't understand that they were giving back eight, nine, ten percent, you know, total fees back at the closing table. Uh, through all the concessions, which by the way, that is how iBuyers make their money in most cases, right? It doesn't make sense. And this is where the general consumer, I think, also doesn't look at this from, from every angle, especially on the other side of the table, is it doesn't make sense for them to pay full market value to you 
net you as much as possible. When they're going to turn around and put that house back on the market, they need to make a profit too. Well, that's how they make that profit in some cases. If you guys have probably noticed, you've seen some of these houses, right? You've probably seen in your neighborhood, uh, one of these bigger iBuyer companies go in, they bought it, they turn around, they put it back up for sale for near the same price, maybe a little bit more, but near the same price. And you're thinking like, man, how do I, how are they making money on this? Like they're selling it for the same price they paid. Well, the reason they're doing that is because at the closing table, they charge a high percentage and that's where they're making that money. For example, they have a 550k house. They said, "Hey, we're going to charge. You know, we'll pay you 550." But at the closing table, really, all their fees added up. The seller really only netted, you know, let's just say 500k, right? So they turn around, they put the house back up on the market for the same price, 550, and then guess what? They got a cushion of 10 to 20 grand. So it looks like they sold the price or the house for the same price. However, that's where they made their money. They made their money on the buy. They don't necessarily make it on the sell. And not enough sellers truly understood this. So as I'm sitting down and really thinking about this for my for my you know my personal listing presentations, I said, how can I help these people? If there's going to be these sellers, they're going to go out ultimately, and they're going to sell their house on the market, and they're not going to want to go you know top dollar on this thing. They really just want convenience. They say, hey, we want to sell this. We're going to you know give us a cash offer on this thing or just get us out of it. Well, how can I add that to my arsenal, right? And this is where you step in as a traditional agent. You need to learn to become dynamic because I can tell you if you are an agent out there right now and you don't have multiple tools in your toolbox to solve problems for people, I'm going to crush you every time. Most of my agents here in this brokerage are going to crush you because this is exactly what I teach them when they walk into listing appointments is solving problems for people. And if you think you're a solo agent and solving a problem is just putting a house on the market, you're going to lose every time. You may get a listing. You may get something here and there. You're going to have that family member or friend that uses you, of course. But you're never going to truly scale because you're not going to be able to figure out how to help a lot of people on a different scale. You know, for example, we have... a family uh, that we had gone into and we went, uh, we just went under contract. I actually just personally purchased their house. They called me in for a listing appointment and they're up against all kinds of things, right? They currently have a VA loan on this property. When COVID hit, uh, on this particular, on uh, I guess in 2020, uh, what they had done was they did the deferment program, right? There was a lot of sellers out there that basically said, uh, hey, I can't make my mortgage payment for whatever reason, right? Because maybe they were laid off temporarily or work was stalled or they were stuck at home. And so they just unfortunately weren't able to make their mortgage. Uh, some of you guys probably know people like this that took advantage of that six-month deferment on, on COVID. So what happened on that was mortgage companies did two things on those. They said, okay, we're going to defer your payments for six months. And then what's going to happen is we'll just take those six months of payments that you don't pay. And we're going to tack that on the back end of your loan. So for example, you have a 30-year mortgage. Now you have a 30-year six-month mortgage. They basically just forgive those six months of no payments and it just picks right back up. Option number two that I've seen happen is you actually have to pay that lump sum back right at the end of those six months. So you don't make a mortgage payment for six months. And then on you know month seven, basically, I say, okay, whatever your totals were for those six months, it's due. So let's think about that for a second. If they couldn't make their mortgage for six months, what makes the bank think that they're going to be able to pay a whole lump sum back, right? at month number seven. So ultimately, this set a lot of people up for failure. And this is where a lot of sellers didn't read the fine print because we're running into it now. Uh, This is probably the third couple I've ran into into this situation right now uh, that was just said, hey, we don't have the money for that. We we don't have that lump sum. There's a reason we weren't paying our mortgage during that six months. We don't have it now. And ultimately, they didn't make sure that they were getting the, the variation of that, that they just tacked that additional six months on the end of a loan and they're able to pick up. 
So now they're in a situation where they're owed, you know, have to owe all this money basically back on their house for six months of no payments and they're heading into foreclosure. So uh, that was kind of strike one on them. And then unfortunately, obviously, there was no HOA payments being made. And that's a whole nother ball game, right? Like a lot of people don't understand in, in uh, Arizona, if you don't pay your HOA payment, uh, the HOA, if you guys read into your CCNRs, actually has the ability to foreclose on your property. And nobody understands that in most cases either. They think, okay, I'm just not going to make my HOA payment. But if you read the fine print when you go under contract in the state of Arizona, there is a clause in there that does allow the HOA to file basically list pendants on your property or they can file for foreclosure on your property. So again, HOA uh, hadn't been being paid on this. HOA goes, gets an attorney involved. The attorney tax on an additional five to $6,000 for their fees. You know, and really they were only behind six to seven to eight months of HOA fees. We're talking three to $400, which now becomes $7,000, right? So this particular family, unfortunately, it's also a veteran family, uh, has a VA loan heading into foreclosure. HOA shows up and basically says, hey, we're going to foreclose on your property as well. And they are basically by the day the money is racking up because the HOA has, you know, a fee on there that's basically getting tacked up for late fees is what it is. So we go into this listing appointment and we just talked to them, which, by the way, I didn't know any of this was going on when I was called into the home. I simply was reached out and said, hey, we, you know, we need to sell our house. So it sounds good. Let me come over and let's have a conversation about it. Right. This is the favorite thing for me too, by the way, because I love going in and just sitting at tables with people and solving problems with them. Uh, I actually find more joy in these kind of situations. I'm just figuring out like, hey, what options do we have? How can we help you guys? Then just a, hey, let's put on the market and sell the house. You know, that's great. But I love the problem side of this business, uh, problem solving side of it. Like that's the stuff for me uh, that really keeps me challenged. So after talking to these guys, you know, we sat down and we gave them a menu option. We said, okay, here's the facts. Here's what you guys are looking at. Obviously, fees are racking up. You know, foreclosure hadn't quite started. They were right about there. Uh, but the HOA uh, process foreclosure was just about to go. They had just been served and basically got notice of, hey, we're going to foreclose on your property now because you haven't paid your HOA dues and your attorney, you know, seven grand, by the way. So, you know, we sat down and we went over it with them and said, you know, what do you guys want to do? And, you know, in, in this particular situation, they bought the home about four or five years ago, got a great deal on it. Um, as growth is caught up on the property now, it's worth way more to them. So uh, they got a lot of equity sitting in it, fortunately, you know. And so, you know, we talked about it. Hey, guys, let's go on the market. And they said, you know, honestly, we, we don't really want to do that. Now, old me would have said, well, you should. Let's just go on the market. Let's get as much money, you know. And so now this is where the dynamic side of it comes in where, you know, you sit down and you really say, okay, let's, let's look at all avenues, all options, right? Um, I have a pretty cool little Excel sheet I pretty much made out that I punch in numbers, right, based on different variables of which way we want to go. For example, hey, if I think we can go on the market, I plug in a number on there. It pre-calculates. Here's what, you know, your commission is going to be. Here's what your closing cost is going to be, you know, estimated repairs, whatnot. But what's important is, and this is where uh, I think also a lot of agents mess up, is you don't really focus on the net number for the seller. Anybody can sell on a top dollar price, but what's the total fees, nets? What are they looking at in home repairs? What are they looking at where they have to put a certain amount of money in the house to get it up to that speed, right? What's the net, net dollar amount that goes in their pocket at the closing table? That's really what is most important, right? So, you know, we got this calculator out and I sat down with them and I said, let's, let's talk through this. Let's figure out how we can help you guys solve this problem. And, you know, they had a few different options going on on the market. I uh, had an option of potentially, you know, turning around and, and renting it out, had an option of trying to, you know, go in and potentially, you know, get a new loan or get another secondary loan to try to get caught up on that. Or, you know, option number three, give them cash. 
you know, get it stopped immediately so they weren't losing the equity that, you know, on their property by the day as these fees were racking up. And, you know, their second problem was, okay, you know, we need to go find a house. We need to go find a rental property as well. We don't know what to do. Cause I said, Hey, I can close on this thing for you guys in cash in two weeks. But, you know, they had three kids and their fears were we're going to be homeless, which is a very valid fear. And, you know, I got kids of my own and I completely understand. So, you know, we said, okay, well, how about this? We can close on your house. We can give you cash. Let's try to, you know, basically save as much of your equity as possible because it's by the day basically being chipped away by all these additional fees and attorney fees and whatnot. And then we were able to negotiate, you know, basically with one of my investors that we work with, a you know, a lease back for up to 30 days, let us do our thing to go get them a rental property. And, and that's what I'm talking about about is I don't think a whole lot of agents would truly understand how to solve that problem if they don't have the right tools and resources, right? At this point in my career, we've aligned ourselves with various different options for our clients. We have hedge funds we're buying for right now. Uh, we have big iBuyers that we're buying with that we have partnerships right now. Uh, we have fix and flip investors for the houses that need a whole ton of work, you know. And I have an absolutely amazing on-market team right now. We're, you know, for any of you guys who've been following us for a while, we kill it when it comes to social media and marketing. Uh, we have a massive pipeline, a massive network. We have a database right now. We're sitting on over 20,000 leads alone uh, tailored into our market that we're constantly going into this thing and we're constantly screening it, combing it, you know, so we got a lot of high quality. We can literally walk into a listing before we even go into that listing. I can go in there. I've already got three cash offers lined up, you know, a couple investors, a couple I buyers willing to buy their house. And I've got my list and presentation ready to go where I can put their house up on the market. So when I walk into these listing appointments, now the seller's got options. And I think that at this day and age, that's what people are really going to need. They want to have the ability to make choices for themselves, right? Again, in some situations, like the one I just listed, going on the market and waiting for that delay, you know, or simply having people go through your house and, you know, when you're in a distress situation, they may want that. They may not want that, right? How do you know that, though, if you're not offering that to them? So this is one area that I am very passionate about now because it's allowed me to really scale and grow. Like I no longer miss out on listing appointments anymore. I pretty much every listing appointment I walk into, I'm going to solve that problem for them. There's really no reason for them not to work with me at that point, because no matter what that is, no matter what you need, I'm most likely going to have a way to figure that out for you. And again, this is where not a lot of, you know, brokerages spend enough time training their agents, uh, providing them resources. You know, for example, again, in our database, we got 20,000 leads right now of active buyers and sellers in my database right now that we've focused on curating for the last four years. So we go into a listing point, we can go into my database right now, I can go through and filter out all the buyers that are actively looking for a home in a certain area at a certain price point, print that sheet out, walk into my listing appointment and say, here you go. You know, I got 20, 30, 60 active buyers right now online looking for a house just like yours that I can go through my database and blast it out, which we do, by the way, you know, we'll talk to the seller and say, hey, you know, if you would like to list with us. How would you like us to handle this? You guys want us to start doing some pre-marketing? You guys want us to bring one of our buyers that's in our database looking at your property, try to net you as much money as possible and eliminate as many showings running through your house as possible? Do you want us to go on the market and get as many people? Like, how do you guys want to handle this? What do you guys want to do? I'll tell you guys right now, it's a pretty powerful thing when you have the ability to walk into a listing appointment and you have the ability to actually truly solve a problem for somebody uh, without the assumption that the problem solving is going to be just putting that house on the market, right? 
especially this day and age, sellers have options. Again, the high buyers that are out there, the investors, the fix and flips, the traditional agent, we're all fighting for the piece of the business out there. If you can't be that person that can solve all problems, you're going to get dominated out there. It's only going to continue to get more competitive, in my opinion, because as things evolve, as things change, as people are looking for new ways to sell their home, creativity, you know, um, you, in my opinion, this needs to be probably one of the things that you as a newer agent set yourself up with right away. Um, I feel like I personally lost a couple years in my career by, you know, kind of unfortunately thinking a little one dimensional and not focusing on being a dynamic problem solver for my clients. So as I got new agents that come in now, you know, it's one of the first things we do. We show them how to work their database, right? You got 10,000 leads right here at your disposal. Go through, see what you got. You know, it also works, by the way, the other way. If we got buyers now, that are looking for a certain house, which you guys know how hard it is in this market right now. Um, inventory is extremely short. Again, I got a database sitting there of 16, 18,000 people right now go through. We filter it out by sellers uh, that have homes that they need to sell. And then we have our buyer and we'll basically try to reverse engineer and find the sellers in our database that have a home that match what our buyers are looking for. And we probably pull one to two listing a month out of our database alone just by doing that without the house even being on the market. We just send them out a message. We'll call them. We'll reach out to them. Hey, you know, you have a property. We're reaching out to you. We have a buyer that's ready to go. I noticed you, you know, registered and you let us know you have this. And like I said, that's been working absolutely phenomenal too. This is where your resources work and your leverage works. And again, you guys are hopefully now are starting to see that if you're an agent, you don't have these resources, you probably can see why we're going to crush you when it comes to listings and buyings every time you guys can probably start to understand why we do the volume that we do because I don't play on the MLS in most cases because guess what? Every other agent in the Valley, every other buyer, every other website out there is pulling data right now from the same place, right? You got five, 6,000 buyers out there looking for a certain house and it hits the MLS. You guys see how competitive it gets. So when you can go play off market now, when you have these resources and these tools and access to houses and properties that are not on the market right now, Guess what? It gives you a whole other playing field to scale your business and grow because you're not having to play in the same pond where everybody else is playing. You're basically out. Now you have a blue ocean, right? You can go all the way out there and find any resource, any lead, any seller. You know, like this is this is again where, uh, you know, I had to really shift my focus and say, you know what? I'm tired of just looking for houses on the MLS. So is everybody else. How can I get to these properties? How can I align my sellers and how can I align my buyers? How can I be more versatile for my clients and go out and find them what they're looking for? Or how can I be more versatile for my sellers and, you know, bring them an offer on their house before it even goes on the market or bring them a cash offer or bring a, you know, potential institutionalized, you know, hedge fund buyer that's, yeah, we'll give you this offer on your house and we'll close whenever you want. So that way now they're getting guaranteed an offer so I can go write a, you know, offer for them on their new property and they can close whenever they want. If you guys aren't doing this, you're going to lose hundred percent guarantee. This is probably one of the keys to success within my brokerage. For those of you guys that follow the agents with me, you guys have seen how fast some of these guys have scaled. I teach them this. This is something that is extremely important to me. I don't hold this back from them. I want them all to win. And these are the techniques and strategies that we use to win with our agents. So you know, hopefully this brings some value to you. If you're a new agent out there and you're currently only looking at things of just very traditional, right? I'm going to put a house on the market. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to go find a house on the MLS and you don't have all these other resources that I just talked about at your fingertips. I would highly recommend uh, you start getting creative and figure out ways to get those resources or go find yourself a brokerage that has these resources or go find yourself a team that has the ability to teach you how to be more dynamic because the more dynamic you become, the more deals you can do.
So thanks again for listening today. Again, hopefully this brought some value to you guys. Uh, this is something that I think I would love to see a change in our industry because as you guys go out there and you become better at this, we're going to better serve our consumers. So as always, guys, get out there, crush it. If you guys found value in today's episode, I ask that you guys share this with anybody that you think may uh, benefit from hearing this. Obviously, I do this for free. I do this to help you guys. I do this to uh, help obviously impact other people that are looking to grow and scale and improve their life. So all I ask is that you guys do share this with somebody that you think it could help and benefit. I greatly appreciate it.